Well, good morning. Uh, I, I know what you're thinking, what we're doing talking about wise men in December. But there's really not a, a really good time to talk about wise men. It's meant to be, I think, the first Sunday in January, if you go to my church tradition. But we don't do that, because we do something else the first Sunday in January. So we're getting it this morning. And to be honest, since we, we put up this logo in a, a few weeks ago, Follow the Star, the, the, the story of the Magi has been in, in my head for quite a long time. And just, just this phrase that I've kept on mulling over, which was, wise people seek Jesus. Wise people seek Jesus. And as that thought's been in my, my head, you know, it was that that created me thinking about this, this talk this morning. So let's just get a few myths out the, out the way. See if you can be a, as, as good as the 9.30 service were. So I'm going to ask you a few questions about the, the story that we've just read. So nice quick answers so we don't take ages. So, so how many Magi were there? We don't know. Well, they seem to know. Three. Thank you. It's good. It's like, it's like that. Uh, to, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Sonia. We don't know is the right answer. The Bible doesn't say. The Bible doesn't say how many of these magi there were. We assume there's three because there was three presents. And somehow in tradition, you know, I was uh, doing a quiz this week. And the quiz question was, according to the Bible, which of these was not a wise man? And it had the three names, you know, Melchior, Casper, and the other one, Balthazar. And then another name. That was like an actual question, you know. I thought, none of them, none of them. doesn't say, it doesn't say. We think there's three because there was three presents. But if you're a parent, you know that one parent can give lots of presents, can't they? Uh, and what was their occupation? Oh, well done this time. Astrologers. Well, that's a pretty good uh, uh, guess, a pretty good uh, uh, you know, statement. Pretty 99.9% certain they weren't kings. There's no evidence whatsoever to imagine that they were kings. Bang goes that song, eh? eh? We three kings of Orient are. No, they were pretty certainly they were astrologers. People that looked at the stars and understood things by examining the stars. Really intelligent people. I say people because it is possible, you know, even though probably culturally not quite acceptable, that there could have been women amongst them. There could have been a bunch of five or six or seven or maybe two. We don't know, but they were probably astrologers, wise people. And where did they go? To visit Jesus, the baby Jesus, a house. a house, yeah, didn't go to the stable. So these, not three, maybe not men, maybe not kings, didn't go to the stable. Apart from that, the traditional story is doing well, isn't it? Yeah, they went to the house, we're told in our reading, they went to the house. And how old was the baby Jesus? Around about two, yeah. He's called, in our reading in verse 11, he's called a child. He's not called a baby. And we can work out roughly how old he was. Not exactly. But we know in the story that, that Herod, boo, hiss, Herod, whatever, you know, a nasty Herod, killed all the, all the boys in Bethlehem 
And researchers reckon that was probably around about a couple of hundred uh, boys in Bethlehem under the age of two in accordance with what you'd learn from the, the Magi. So we can work out that roughly that, that Jesus must have been around the age of two or maybe a bit younger, between one and a half and two. So in summary, the story we get from our reading, not from mythology and, and Christmas cards and carols, is that a bunch of wise people set out on a journey to find Jesus and they went to the house where he was living and they worshipped the child and then they heard from God and went off home a different way there's the story of the wise people (laughs) or magi if I say magi it keeps me safe doesn't it so what can we learn from that story well I'm going to look at three or four things that we can learn from that story and that the first one is the thing that's been in my head and really started me looking at the story which is wise people seek Jesus these astrologers these magi did something absolutely bamboozling I cannot comprehend I cannot understand what they did but these magi looked up looked at the stars looked at space recognised that there was a new star and thought that star signifies the birth of a king let's go and investigate it let's go and seek out this king and what's weird is you know kings were born quite often at that point in time as they are now or princes you know royalty give, give birth quite regularly but somehow you know this, this situation these magi looked at this and said no this is different this is different and we need to seek out this, this guy and from the story we can work out that it must have taken them about a year and a half to two years to get there to seek out Jesus but how did they do it? How did they look up into God's nature, look up into the universe and see this new star and follow it to Bethlehem? It's mind-boggling. And obviously, logically, when they got to Bethlehem, they went to the palace because that's where kings are normally born, you know, and where the kings normally live, you know, in palaces. But that wasn't the right. So they didn't have all the knowledge. They didn't have the full picture. They didn't know everything. But they did know that this guy was the king of the Jews. Which is extraordinary. And they set out in an adventure. They set out, put their life on hold and sought out Jesus. And my question for you this morning, one of three questions is, are you seeking Jesus? It's as simple as that. Are you seeking Jesus? Jesus and that falls really into two parts if you're somebody this morning that that wouldn't call yourself a Christian that wouldn't say you're a follower of Jesus I want to encourage you this morning to make a decision to seek him out do not come to a conclusion that this is not for me without putting in the effort to seeking out this Jesus and finding out lots about him seek Jesus because wise people seek Jesus 
And, you know, you've got an opportunity at this church just next, next month in January. We do an Alpha course, which is a wonderful way of seeking Jesus, of finding out more about Jesus. But wise people seek Jesus. But if you are a Christian this morning, if you're somebody who says, I am a follower of Jesus, do you seek Jesus? As I asked myself that question, I had to reflect and think, not in any way that puts myself out. Do, do I seek Jesus to the, the, the detriment of any other of my priorities? You know, these wise men put their life on hold to seek Jesus. Do I do that? Do, do, I, do my priorities adjust to give my priority of seeking Jesus? Do you, as somebody who calls yourself a Christian, do you recognise in yourself somebody who seeks Jesus? Wise people seek Jesus. The next thing when I was looking at these wise men, wise men, magi, let's stick to magi, yeah, told you I'd get in trouble if I didn't call them magi. The next thing that jumped out at me is that these magi had extraordinary dedication to mission. They were called on a mission, we're going to find Jesus. And they set off with an immense disruption to whatever they were doing. Whatever they were doing was stopped. They put their plans in place. They got the camel sorted. They got their, their posse in place. And they set off having to plan to whatever they were doing, keep that plate spinning. But we're heading off somewhere else, having no idea what, you know, the end result. They had extraordinary dedication to that mission, which took up years of their life. And as I thought about that, I thought about our mission. You know, we've spent as a, a, as a church maybe a, a year in praying and planning with regards to our mission and our vision for the, the future of this church. And I wonder how dedicated you and I am to that mission. Uh, would you see yourself as a person on mission? A person doing mission? And I thought of this analogy that if you were uh, if you were arrested and you were you were you know taken to court and and the 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 um, what is it that's put against you that the, you're accused you're accused of being on mission for Jesus would there be enough evidence to convict you? So I'm not accusing you of attending church at eleven o'clock on a Sunday morning. We would get evidence for that. We could show the pictures. Take a picture now. You, can, you know, you could be found guilty of coming to church at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. But could you be found guilty of being on mission for Jesus? Would an investigation reveal a kind of change of priority? A prioritizing mission of Jesus, putting him first, working for him, achieving mission for him. If the investigation took place, would you be found guilty of being on mission for Jesus? I tell you what, these wise men would have been found guilty of their mission. Categorically, priorities completely changed. And you know, as I looked at the story, there's a couple of bits right at the end. 
And sadly, although there's a couple of bits right at the end, I'm not close to the end of my sermon. But right at the end of the story, we, you know, there's a couple of things that came to my mind that I'd never really thought about before. Is that these wise men gave gifts to Jesus. A couple of these gifts were extraordinary gifts. They gave the gifts of gold, the most precious item in the world at that point in time, and frankincense, no, and frankincense and myrrh. And myrrh was also an unbelievably expensive item. Let me tell you, frankincense wasn't cheap. You know, but they laid that before God, before Jesus Christ, God incarnate. And, and the question that made me think was, you know, was Jesus poor? Was, was Mary and Joseph's family a poor family? And the, the general impression you get from society is, oh yeah, he was poor. Let me tell you, the Bible gives us quite a bit of evidence that he wasn't poor. In, in Matthew chapter something, chapter 15, Matthew chapter 15 and verse 33, we're told that Jesus had enough money to feed the 4,000. Not the 5,000, that was another story. To feed the 4,000. He just didn't have the bread. He had the money. When he was crucified, the the soldiers cast lots for his garment. Why did they cast lots for his garment? Because the garment was worth having. It wasn't cheap rubbish. The soldiers wanted it. It was a nice garment. Jesus was able to have run a business. You know, he was a carpenter, wasn't he? His father's business. But the point I want to get to is, these magi had some input into this. Now, I'm not saying that the magi financed the entire outreach of Jesus and his disciples. We know there were many women involved in that. But these magi gave gifts of gold. They took their worldly possessions and they laid them at the feet of the Messiah. They took the worldly possession and they said, Jesus, we're giving them to you. And if nothing else, that gold probably saw them through Egypt when they fled to Egypt. Who knows what else that gold did and that myrrh did in the life of Jesus. But worldly possessions put at the feet of Jesus can be transforming in ministry. And I want to just challenge you and encourage you this morning. Have you ever had that thought process take place in your life? Have you ever considered what you do with your capital? Not your income. We talk a lot about income in churches. But we don't talk a lot about capital. But capital as well should be at the disposal of Christ. And who knows what mission will be achieved through the laying of worldly possessions, of gold, of money at the feet of Jesus. Final point, and this one is definitely the final point. It's easy to ignore this. These magi had a dream and God spoke to them and God told them not to go back to the, 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 uh, the, the can I say castle? What? Well, not a castle, is it? Herod's palace, that's the word. Yeah, yeah. It might have been a castle, but I doubt it. I doubt it. Yeah, they had a dream and said, don't go back to Herod's palace, go home a different way. Yeah? So just grasp that. You know, God spoke to these people and it changed their future. It changed the future for a lot of people, actually. 
You know, it changed the future. God spoke and they acted. I want to really challenge you this morning, but the question is, you know, how often do we act because God speaks? Is that our lifestyle? God speaks and we act. These wise men change what they're going to do because God spoke to them. You know, I'm reading a, a book just now by Robbie Dawkins. I don't know if you've ever heard of Robbie Dawkins. We've got, I've got a few hands up. He's, a, he's a, a phenomenal minister. I say phenomenal. Well, he is phenomenal. He is. He's a, a minister of a church, but he goes around the world uh, preaching and teaching. And he's a guy who just constantly, it seems to me, not that I'm massively jealous, I'm only this much jealous. He just seems to be constantly hearing from God and sharing with others what God says to him. And he's written this book called Do What Jesus Did. And he's, telling, and he's saying in this book, we have to just do what Jesus did. And whenever you go, God is with you. Because if you're a Christian, God's inside you. And just share Jesus and words from God wherever you go. Well, I was reading this book this week and I was lying in bed on Friday night and I was thinking about this, this sermon and I was thinking about Robbie Dawkins and I was thinking about getting my hair cut. And the, the three of them came together and I thought, right, tomorrow morning when I go and get my hair cut, which I did, by the way, just didn't shave properly, but anyway... When I went to get my hair cut, I thought, I'm going to speak to the woman about Jesus. That was the plan. So I went into the, the, the hairdresser yesterday morning, and it was full of people. And instantly my heart sank, interestingly. Oh no, I don't want to talk in front of anybody else. It's bad enough talking to the hairdresser. Never mind other people here as well. That's how confident I was in God. And so I, I sat down eventually in my little cubicle, and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to tell this woman about Jesus and I said okay how, how do I start and I had this great line come into my head and I said to the, the woman you know last night I was lying in bed thinking about you <laughs> yeah o on reflection it wasn't probably the best opening line to the to the discussion but you know it got me into talking about things she looked at me slightly strangely Thankfully, she wasn't cutting my hair at that point in time. And I said to her, no, no, no. What, what, what I mean is, I was lying in bed, and I'm, I'm preaching on Sunday, and I was thinking about God, and God said to me, I had to talk to you. She went, oh, right. That's interesting. Let's face it. If you say that to somebody, it is interesting, isn't it? The big bit comes is when you've now got to say the next bit, which is, you know, what is it that God's got to say? And I said, what God told me to say was... Because at that point in time, I've now got to go into the supernatural bit. Up to that point in time, it was guts and willpower and a bit of you know, you know, redneck. But then I had to actually go into supernatural. And I listened and I said, have you had a sore hand recently? And she went, no. I thought, great, good start. She went, but I've got, I've got a sore foot. Uh, and for a second I thought, oh, let's just change the feet then. Let's, and I thought, no, 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 no. No, I said, it wasn't your foot, no. God said it to me that you've, you've got a, a sore hand. So now, although I have had three operations on my hand, and I'm thinking, oh, come on, give me a break. You know, you know. and the thing was, I was there in that situation, well, not petrified, but, you know, let's go very nervous and not very confident. You know, I wasn't there thinking, this is going to be such a doll. I can't wait to get my hair cut. This is so exciting. I was there thinking, no, no I want to do this because I want to reach out. 
You know, I want to reach out and I want to speak to this person. And in that situation, I was able then to start speaking to that person about God. And guess what? That is what each of us are called to do all the time. And it's interesting. Point five. What is point five in our vision? That just the top line. Don't give me the whole part. I know you all know everything about the. Just give me the top line of point five in our vision. Somebody. I think. I think, Steve, we need to go over another sermon series on the, on the vision. You know, maybe. Point five is seeking the power of God. And it's interesting. It's seeking. You know, we wrote that with no idea about this stuff here. Seeking the power of God. Searching out the power of God. Looking for the power of God. And the power of God is available to all of us all the time. Because we have God in us. Wherever we go, God is there. And his power is there. What we have to do is turn up and talk up. In every and any situation. And so I want to encourage you this morning is when have you last heard from God? Or actually, when have you last stepped up and relied on God to step up? You know, it's very easy to think that I, I, I will do something when God absolutely prompts me and tells me everything to say. But that's like you being a, a, a battleship in the harbour and sat there waiting to go out to war once you categorically get everything sorted. But that's not how it works. We need to be out there in the midst of people and willing to take risks with confidence that God will speak up. And so I want to encourage you this Christmas to A, hear from God, but B, be willing to take that supernatural step. Because Christianity, if it is not supernatural, it is nothing. If we do not worship a supernatural God, we do not worship a God. Christianity, by definition, is supernatural. And if we try and live it in the natural, we will humiliate God. So we, Rob Milton and you bunch, need to get uncomfortable and allow God to step in. You know, Simon doesn't like giving out alpha leaflets to strangers. He doesn't like doing it. He feels slightly embarrassed at doing it. I would also feel slightly embarrassed at doing it. But he got one of these leaflets and he gave it to a woman and said, I'd like to invite you, a complete stranger, to come to Alpha. And guess what? You heard last week, she came to Alpha She sought out Jesus and she gave her life to Jesus. There's somebody else in God's kingdom because of the actions of Simon in fear and trepidation with an arm slightly up his back. And God still honoured it. Because that's the God that we serve. But we need to step up. These wise men went way out of their way. And you know, were they Christians... Did God speak to them? And they weren't even Christians. Were they Jews? No. And God still spoke to them. I tell you what, if you're a follower of Christ, 
We're on the winning side. God will communicate with us. But we have to take the risk. So, this morning, three questions for you. If you're seeking Jesus, this morning, you know, you got the opportunity, not just to seek Jesus, but to accept him as your Lord and Saviour and say, yeah, you know, I'm going to do that. If you're not quite there yet, please come to the Alpha course, which starts in January, where you can seek Jesus with us together. Second question is, are your finances at God's disposal? And the third question is, are you willing to live a life with the supernatural God? To allow him to invade your life and to live life with you. Let's just pray. Father, I just pray this morning that we will open up every aspect of our life to you. Lord, you have given us your Holy Spirit to live inside us. And Lord, I pray that we will give our lives over to him, be at his disposal, so that we can be the salt and light that you want us to be, that we can go on mission with you and we can transform Southwell because we are revealing your power and your spirit to those around us. Amen. Thank you.